0: Sky King, Sky King, do not answer. Victor, Boxtrap,
1: authentication, Joseph. I say you. Sky King, Sky King, do not answer.
2: From London, a podcast about the unknown, the paranormal, and mysterious events. This is Anomaly. This is the last
1: Welcome to the review of 2020. This is the uh, Anomaly Podcast. Although, if you're listening live on the radio, it's HCR 104 FM and it's The Fright Before Christmas. As usual, Steve's here. Hi, Steve. Hi, yeah. And this year, by popular request, from the um, ast-
2: of the host. Yeah. From
1: the Astonishing Legends podcast over in the United States of America, it's Forrest Burgess. Hello and
2: welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's okay. Thank you for coming along and uh, getting us out of a rather dire hole.
2: Yeah, who said no to you at the last moment? Just about everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was hoping for a name and, yeah, and maybe I was, an insult uh, coming your way. It's
1: been a... Uh, a crazy year not just because of some virus causing uh, a nuisance everywhere
2: mm. no and it's not over yet so uh what do the last two weeks have in store for us or or, or more so i was just hoping uh, for a I'm nice wondering.
1: calm couple of weeks please
2: not going to happen, uh, mate. It's uh, there, There's going to be a finale, you know that. A, show, a show-stopping a show season-ender.
1: It's got to be aliens. Yeah, exactly. Got to be <laughs> aliens, which... Uh, it's the galact- Galactic,
2: Galactic Command. Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. They're I think, coming for um, their monoliths. And apparently, Mr. Trump knows all about it.
2: Now, this is a story that's uh, at the top of your list that I saw the headlines, and you know what? Usually I dive right into that, but we were so busy... With our own production schedule and and uh, us going on holiday ourselves, that uh, actually didn't read any articles. They were just, I was just, they were all over the place. Uh, so, uh, what are the, some of the more juicy details with this story?
1: Well, it's uh, a guy called Haim Ished, and I've probably butchered that. So uh, he was a, uh, a senior chap in the uh, Israeli space race, if you like. But uh, he's getting up in years and uh, he has written a book called The Universe Beyond the Horizon. And in it he claims that we are already in touch with aliens and uh, that they've got a pact. And your Donald Trump over there, he's uh, signed up to it to keep it nice and quiet because the uh, the aliens who have been uh, buzzing around for ooh, at least 60 years have decided they didn't want anybody to know about it. Mm. All good. Steve, what's your views on this? Um,
0: I just wonder if... I mean, Paul Hellyer in Canada has said he was a um, mm-hmm. quite a senior uh, politician for many, many years. He's in his 90s now, isn't he? Yeah, and yeah. He's been he's been saying words to this effect for for several years, hasn't he? He has. Um, I mean, Paul
1: Paul Hellier was the uh, defence minister in Canada. That's um, right. Yeah. Under yeah. the uh, I think it was under the original Trudeau government. I'm not sure, um, but uh, I, I don't think he had a particular interest in UFOs when he was in government. It's sort of in latter years. Mm. Um, Forrest, you, you I it, mean, you're the, he's your neighbour. <laughs> so tell us all about it. Yes,
2: uh, Mr. Hellier. Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, from what I know, um, uh, one, obviously it's very hard to come out with that type of hobby or interest while you're in office because uh, generally you don't stay in very long if you start uh, professing a, uh, even an interest. As we've seen with, uh, uh, you fellows probably heard, of course, the, uh, the Phoenix Lights, mm. uh, the famous Phoenix Lights incident, and um, Governor uh, Five Symington, I believe was his name uh who you know that was one of the one of the biggest sightings here because thousands of citizens um across phoenix and other parts of arizona saw this thing all reported it uh kurt russell i believe the actor who was flying in from los angeles he
1: did yeah uh
2: he was one of the first uh uh, at least private uh pilot reports Coming in, maybe the first, I believe, that's his claim to fame. There, I never knew uh, that. And, it's true. I, I never yeah, knew it's an that. interesting. T- he never really told anybody. I think I saw that on um, on a talk show, on a chat wow. show, as you say, where he just happened to be flying his uh, uh, a couple of his children in, I, or one, for a vacation, and uh, yeah, so he was flying when he saw it, and then of course, I believe, uh, you know, that was the kind of silly press conference that Governor Symington mm. at the time had to had to do is uh, trot out somebody in an alien suit and say like well uh, this is all you know it's all just silly here's your alien and then of course uh it was uh, maybe a decade later years later uh he came out and said like no, no i actually uh, i actually believe that happened <laughs> you know and uh but you, you just can't do that while you're in office because it uh, it really unnerves people because they start questioning all your other uh judgments on things but uh, i was going to ask you fellas the That's an interesting position, though, when uh, you have somebody like uh, Hellyer, who's in a very high position, obviously not a kook to have gotten where he is, and comes out and says something extraordinary. And it's like the uh, Israeli gentleman. It's like, you know, this guy isn't, um, you know, he wasn't a reporter for the Weekly World News. He, uh, you know, he's not some kind of a, a nutcase living in a tent in the desert who's, seeing things this this guy is very high up in intelligence and they come out and they say something outrageous and it it, uh, it puts people in a quandary because they don't know then what to make of it because we always want the credible witness we want the very credible person with the with you know with a high clearance to come out and say something and then when they do we're still unsure about it it's it's, it's like uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell Who's now? There are books on all the, all the things that he said he's he's seeing and has been uh, things that he says NASA and the government has covered up. Uh, he's fully on board, but uh, you know we only go so far with that uh, because it is hard to accept. And then, like I said though, but that's one of my favorite quandaries: is that well, here you go. Here's your credible witness. They're saying this. What do you what do you think? It's uh, we covered the Nazi Bell, which which. Uh, may or may not be a german world war ii mechanical invention that uh, may levitate uh, cause nearby mass death and travel in time uh, or open up a window that you can see events in time and supposedly it, it ran on red mercury now the father of the neutron bomb and i can't i can't remember his name right off the bat but uh, people were saying well Red mercury is a is a red herring. It's just a, it's a term that's put out there. You try and catch uh, terrorists and black market dealers, saying you have some red mercury, and then uh, see who gets interest, and you follow that up and tie up the leads. And uh, it's it's a diversion tactic. There is no such thing as red mercury. However, the father of the neutron bomb, uh, who invented this thing, is a nuclear physicist. Says it's real.
1: Was this and, Oppenheimer?
2: Uh, no, no, no. It's um. Again, I'm blanking on his name. We and we covered the Nazi Bell, you know, a couple of years ago now. Yeah. So I, I can't remember the details, but if you if you look him up, it's yeah, he's one of the physicists that came up with the idea of the neutron bomb. So, uh, you know, for for good or bad, he's no slouch when it comes to science and physics.
0: Got Samuel T. Cohen? Does that ring a bell?
2: Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes. When they come out and uh, claim something outrageous, you just say like, well, I guess they're eccentric. I guess astronaut Edgar Mitchell was eccentric. I guess this Israeli, uh, you know, intelligence uh, defense force leader is eccentric. Or what are they doing? You know, are they are they misguiding us for for a reason? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, what I think is that there's probably some interesting things in there. Maybe not 100 percent true, and you don't know all the reasons behind it. But it's very curious, and we should pay attention when somebody like that speaks up.
1: It is curious, and I mean. <sighs> That it's not unknown over here as well, but we had Lord Hill Norton, mm. who, um, I can't remember how long ago it was now, I'm, I'm going to say 50s, pota- potentially. Sure. Um, Lord Hill Norton was uh, asking questions about UFOs in the Houses of Parliament. Um, and uh, there's reasonably good information that the, uh, the Queen's husband, Prince Philip, has had a lifelong interest.
0: Well, a lot's come out in the last um, few weeks with... Um with reports, he was reading uh, one of uh, uh, Charles Holt's from the Rendlesham case, ah, reading right, one of his books.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean uh, that's. Uh, I mean the Ren- Rendlesham is just down the road to me. Um, but then again, in England, just down the road is everywhere. And uh, but uh, I've been to Rendlesham a few times. Love it there. Um, hmm. But yeah, um, so Prince Philip apparently takes a very keen interest in such things, and uh, he was a military guy. Um, I believe he was uh, captain of a ship at some stage. So um, you know, there, there's all sorts of people in high places who pay interest to this.
2: Right, right. Well, they're they're the ones who are um, who are around it. Uh, and actually, we just talked about Prince Philip uh, with uh, I believe it's our latest uh, our latest show. Uh, we talk about Mrs. Hingley and the mincemeat pie aliens. Yes. And, and, uh, and I'm just actually perusing our notes here because uh, uh, Scott did the outline on that one. And um, what's interesting, though, is that, yes, Prince Philip uh, is, let's see his connection here. Um, well, he is, I believe, friends and certainly uh, well connected with. Let's see. He's listed here as um, former RAF number six hundred four squadron member, test pilot, and flying instructor Derek David Dempster, who was who founded the Flying Saucer Review.
1: Oh.
2: In uh, let's see, and uh, in nineteen fifty four, and then uh, first issue in nineteen fifty five. Uh, he just passed away in twenty twelve. But, you know, again, here's somebody who's incredibly credible. His uh, squadron was known for its pioneering role in the development of radar-controlled night fighter operations. Wow. Uh, okay. So, he, yeah, so in its uh, as Scott's note here, I guess, um, uh, it says Dempster was one of the several folks instrumental in the Flying Saucer Review's founding, and it's notable that Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, is a long-standing subscriber, so yeah. I'm sure they know each other. But certainly, he's um, he's a paid subscribing member, and uh, and has seen a lot of stuff himself.
1: So, thinking around that for a moment, um, a, a Dempster would have been flying. And uh, working on radar then during World War two I'm guessing, uh, which of course is when we had lots of foo fighter sightings so yeah yeah everything's connected
2: it is, and certainly uh, England's had its share of uh, nighttime operations and advances especially with radar and then the whole uh, what I loved uh, learning as, as a kid um, the um, the legend of why the British uh, pilots were so adept at night flying and bombing was they ate a lot of carrots. It's true. <laughs> it is true. And <laughs> improved their eyesight, and which we know now, like, well, yes, they're very good for you. But when I, I was it a- was also the advances in radar.
1: When I was a kid, because um, I am uh, an avowed salad dodger, um, mm. my, uh, my nan would uh, tell me to eat my carrots because they're good for your eyes. And uh, right. and the Germans swallowed that for quite a long time. I mean, they had their, they had their <laughs> own radar system, but true, uh, true. but you know they they were won over <laughs> with the carrot story, so that was good. Um, right? Yeah. I mean, the whole of well,
2: the- uh, but oh, sorry. No, I was going to say the um, uh, but out of that, uh, uh, I mean, what do you what do you make of uh, somebody? You know, what is the English stance? Because I can tell you what the American stance is, and that we're. Uh, we're certainly less accepting i think uh, on a whole uh compared to other countries
1: um of the ufo thing in general
2: you could say in general of the latest uh, also the latest israeli uh, revelations and and the news oh, and sure. And the, like you I said mean, all the strange things that are happening in england this I, year
0: i i think 20 years ago they would have been they would have been laughed out of um oh. out of the papers but i think nowadays it's I think we said um, we spoke earlier um, that all of a sudden a lot of stuff that would never ever hit the mainstream is hit like like with this story um, of the uh, of the UFO the USO getting on Fox News and getting on Tucker Carlson's show because that's Fox News they don't touch stories like this. (laughs) Um, you know, there's a, uh, and it's and it's bizarre, and and if they are going to touch them, they won't give them any credence. That's right. This story gives it credence and gives it, as far as Fox News goes, some sort of credibility. Well, of course, this leads
1: into the conspiracy theory that disclosure is happening, and that Tucker Carlson is kind of, uh, you know, brought on board to be the uh, the vessel for disclosure. But um, who knows? Well, I
0: think I think Nick Pope has more or less said it's already happened, and it's it's been done silently. Yeah, yeah. I, if yeah. you
1: think about um, how many official incidents you can name now, to how many that you could five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we've already got Nimitz and admittedly that happened sort of in the early two thousands, didn't it? So, uh, yes. Was it 2004, 2005? Yeah. 2004. Yes. You know, and then the, this latest thing with the, uh, USO, uh, the big triangle, I believe it was, or was it a cube shape, um, that was, uh, seen in the water. Um, well, that was two years ago. Um, so who knows? I, I think uh, it's it's leading up to something, and it's yeah. just going to be very dull. I think one day when they actually turn and go, "Oh yeah, UFOs, yeah, we've had those for years," and everybody will just move along, and uh, you know they'll be worried about where they're going to get their food from, and the, the whole UFO thing. You know, all all these ufologists out there are just going to be going, "Well, we told you," and uh, everybody else is going, "Well, we don't care." so (laughs) um you know i i just think it's a given now and uh it's happening i think if you've got various government agencies who are now avowed as being involved in research on this um you've got the pentagon actually releasing um video Uh, it's crazy i mean that that's um tic-tac and gimbal video was hanging around on the internet for absolutely ages before it was finally admitted and Mm -hmm. of course everybody's going oh no it's fake well it just goes to show so uh, I I think it's a cracking video and uh, on its own it's just um, it's just it's just mind-blowing so, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, you can forget all of the Secure Team 10 stuff and Black Knight. I, 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 don't get me wrong, I'd love Black Knight to be real, but... Um, right. Or if you, What was it? Um, it's the, the old phrase, isn't it? You only need one white crow. Uh, we
0: need to really explain what Black Knight is, though, don't we? It's a purported long-term satellite in, in low Earth orbit that looks very, very... It looks like a Black Knight from... Yeah. A, from a chess game, doesn't it? I think yeah.
1: it was meant to be the uh, the black knight from Monty Python.
2: <laughs> that's just the head. That's just the torso. Now, there's yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> it's just like the rest of it. Yeah.
1: You make contact with this UFO, and it's, going, it's merely a scratch.
2: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we, people have asked us to, uh, to to look into that, and you know, and our response is, well, you know, I, I think just mentioning it, that's about as much as we know. Uh, there's, it's hard to do a story on something where there's just no available information, and it's all 100% speculative, unless you get somebody uh, like an Edgar Mitchell and says, like, yeah, I, I know the scoop on that and why it's being covered up, and, and you may or may not want to believe uh, somebody that credible, but uh, at least it's somebody more in the know than we are. We, we, we're just making guesses. Or people would say, like, well, it's just space junk. It's like, well, yeah, uh, but it's unlike any other space junk uh, you know I've ever seen. Photos of, or that's been described or reported. So, yeah. you know what's interesting. Uh, I was going to say back to Fox News, and I don't know if your news stations still do this, but uh, in the states, and maybe this is a, a, a sense of the turning of the tide here as far as how it's approached. But of course, it still happens. So, whenever a, uh, you know, of course, um, the X Files uh, aired on the Fox News mm. channel, or the Fo- sorry, the Fox uh, Entertainment Network uh, for television here. And uh, so, but for any local news story that would cover uh, a UFO type sighting or a reporting or something strange, anything at all, you have to finish the piece with playing the X Files theme,
0: <laughs> and it, yeah. it,
2: it gets it, it gets the news people saying, "Oh, we're just this is all just silly, right? We're not taking any of this seriously. Just uh, and here's the X Files, you uh, know." Uh, uh, theme just to show you that uh, nothing to worry about here folks this is just uh just some wackos and uh, to be, to be and fair i stance. think
0: to be fair i think a lot of bbc and an independent local news outlets over over here did exactly the same thing yeah they'll have like an and finally as in let's have a little bit of a woolly story uh an amusing <laughs> story which would be, oh look someone saw five ufos and the x-files theme will be be playing yeah. in the background and they'll turn the lights on and they'll probably beam the presenters out and then they'll end the
2: show it's it was, uh, yeah.
1: a perfect filler for when they couldn't find a surfboarding cat
2: yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but there's a the thing it's at some point and i think you gentlemen are uh, are are getting to that in that at some point you can't um you have to start taking it seriously and I think maybe if you're saying about you know the reporting of uh, f- uh, from Tucker Carlson, uh, and and you're getting statements from the Pentagon, you know if, if it was a direct statement from the Pentagon you're relaying or the New York Times article or this this and that and you're a news station presenting that, and you play the X Files theme now you look silly. Yes. Yeah. The, so that's what I'm saying that the the switch has flipped in that. Uh, uh, if you're still brushing this off, but like, well, hold on here, this is our top authority. you've got the the Pentagon. They're not really known for their practical jokes, and you're still trying to not take this seriously or uh, or or play this off as uh, as weird you know weird news of the day. You can't do that anymore. Now, I think they can still certainly do it depending if you know local farmer sees uh, you know bigfoot with braided hair. Uh, You know, any kind of crazier fringe story, you can still do that because people aren't taking this seriously. But the one genre here that now is commanding respect and turning more people over, especially uh, the American populace, and and certainly not uh, the last poll numbers I heard. I think people, uh, was it 60% roughly, believe that uh, alien life is possible. Closer to 50% believe that uh, UFOs exist. Well, that means there's a good percentage that still don't. And uh, what's it going to take, you know, to... to uh, and of course, that's the old phrase, like, not until I see a UFO land on the White House lawn. Uh, well, that's right. It, it's,
1: the, it's the 40% of Americans who have a mortgage to pay and kids to put <laughs> through college and just don't look any further than the full wall four walls that are around them and I, and I don't right. say that in a disparaging way it's just that no, they, they're yeah. concentrated on other things and yeah. um, you know so but I think from the British perspective we thought if well if America if um, UFOs were going to become mainstream anywhere it was going to be in the USA and really uh, and oh yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's uh, over here. We would definitely look at Americans and say, yeah, they'd buy that. (laughs) And and, uh, I I thank you, I guess. No, no, no. (laughs) Absolutely. And especially in California where you have been known to hang around. So, hey.
2: Ah, I see. Well, I mean, here's uh, what I find fascinating. And and, uh, before we uh, started recording here, I was uh, chatting with you two gentlemen about, uh, you know, just serendipitously the, the last two stories we happen to cover, oddly, both with a Christmas theme, and that's what we were looking at. So you, you punch into the Googles uh, UFO or, or paranormal uh, uh, event, Christmas time, and uh, the two stories we end up covering, not on purpose, but they, of course, fit were, you know, what was called, uh, yes, the what I just mentioned here, the story of. Mrs. Hingley, and uh, now she and her husband Cyril lived in council housing in Rowley Regis. So you're talking about the West Midlands, uh, I believe, uh, two uh, one hour and a half, two hours uh, south of Pontefract. Yeah, and um, you know, and this was uh, when this happened. You know, it was right after uh, the holiday, so January fourth, nineteen seventy nine, and it's a lighthearted kind of funny thing. This is exactly what I was talking about, where you'd hear the Uh, the X-Files theme. She claims an encounter with three uh, benevolent and nice aliens, but ones that uh, uh, seemingly unknowing of human customs uh, were so enamored with her Christmas tree, they ended up wrecking it (laughs) and and, and eventually absconding with it and also stealing three of her mince pies. Outrageous. Um, And so, uh, but but all in all, she suffered some physical uh, effects, which are pretty routine and... and, uh, chock-a-block for an alien encounter. uh, But overall, thought it was a very positive experience. Uh, The second one is the Warminster thing. Yeah. Mm. uh, From, uh, that started, well, things have been going on, of course, in Warminster and, um, uh, you know, the Wiltshire County, you know, for, I'm sure since people were there and maybe before. uh, But that, that entire flap seems to have been credited to start Christmas Day very early in the morning uh, with uh, just a series of bizarre sonic attacks and very strange noises. And also reported and witnessed by many of the training army recruits and uh, officers at the nearby, you know, British Army training bases. Yeah, Saltbury Plains. Uh, 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 yeah, it's one of the newest, know. yeah. And so, again, there's your credible witnesses. It's not just, uh, you know, your, your farmers and your college kids and uh, reporting this stuff. Uh, you have the military uh, n- and not chiming in saying, you know, usually we expect them to say, well, it was us training or you heard a, m- a meteorite, uh, you know, a bolide came in and that's, that's what caused the strange sounds and the explosions. But uh, they were oddly silent other than the initial report. So uh, I guess my roundabout way is saying that... Uh, uh, your attitude about Americans coming I mean, is is interesting. When I compare it to, uh, you know, c- centuries uh, of civilization before us, uh, or anyone in uh, North America, including the indigenous peoples of uh, of North America, and uh, your you you would seem to be more open to it because it is seems to be more part of uh, the natural proceedings. And not saying that people you know they naturally would believe in ufos other than that you've been exposed to it much longer than we have as a more modern culture as well so uh, and then if you look at uh, like south america they take it much more seriously than we do their military gets involved with yeah. uh tracking and analyzing and um sharing some information but obviously they're they're not uh, ashamed at all to say no, we take it very seriously, and we track this stuff, and we you know, we try to let you know what's going on. So uh, unlike us, where we play this game of taking it seriously and not taking it seriously, and uh, therefore everyone's just kind of guessing. Yeah, it is. It's
1: very is. much a way of keeping people guessing, and if you have to think too much about it, you end up thinking about something else. And, oh, and and exactly, and just yeah. forgetting about it it's um you know I, i've done a road trip across the states i uh, i went from dallas and then kind of zigzagged my way across into uh, northern california and uh, so i visited area 51 i, I stayed at the little alien and uh, you know so you get these little pockets of you know, little, little pockets of interest and places where everybody believes, and and it's all good. You know, I think it's uh, yeah. it's quite healthy. But um, yeah, it's interesting that sort of historically, I think. The Brits have always thought that the Americans would be more up for this than uh, anybody else. But then, when you think back into history, like you say, um, we have Stonehenge, we have um, the Berwyn uh, Mountains incident, <laughs> yep. and mm-hmm. um, you know, and so many other things as well as Rendlesham, and yeah, so. It's interesting. I mean, Rendlesham very rarely gets mentioned over here. Uh, You you just really, yeah, that's that's odd. You don't tend to hear about it. I mean, there's meant to be a film coming out soon. Um, Steve might know more about this, Um, but there's there's a film called Capel Green, which Mm. is in the making. Um, I've Mm. not heard much about it recently, I must admit. But um, you know, apparently that's going to take a look at um, what happened there, and uh, one of the main participants in that is a guy called Larry Warren who was uh, a U.S. Air Force uh, security policeman uh, at Rendlesham.
2: Right. Uh, uh, What is the name? Do you know what the title refers to?
1: Uh, Capel Green, Uh, I believe, is a village nearby. Mm. It's apparently
0: where the incident happened. So it's it's one of those where it's like with Roswell. They say Roswell, but the crash Mm -hmm. didn't actually happen in Roswell. It happened 60 miles away. Yeah. Um over, so, over
1: towards Corona. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Capel Green is apparently. Uh, Mel's the, ranch. That's right. Yes.
0: Yeah. But Capel Green is apparently where the actual event itself happened, not not Rendlesham itself. Mm. And so it's that sort of they're trying to really dig down. But that's I saw. Um it, it seems to be a drama documentary, so they've actually got um actors playing parts. Oh. Right. But obviously yeah, but obviously with input from right. from names that you that you know as, as, as part of this case. But it, right. it's one of it seems to be one of those cases which has a line down it and there's there's one lot on one side and another lot on the other. Yeah. Both arguing as to as to what's actually going on well, and what went on and who was there and who wasn't there, and. mentioning yeah,
1: no names, yeah. of course, is an awful Precisely. lot. Of, an awful lot of yes. arguing going on online at the moment, yeah. and uh, right, I, I, I right. don't I don't think anybody comes out of it particularly well, um, because it would be nice if yeah. we could just disagree about stuff and just get on. But uh, well, there
2: is uh, boy. When I first heard about that story years ago, before we even started the podcast, uh, I was fascinated by it because again. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel um,
1: Charles uh, Holt. Holtz, Charles, Charles Holtz, Holt,
2: yeah. that's it. Uh, you know, get a very credible witness had recorded on his personal cassette re- uh, notation recorder, uh, uh, audio tape recorder, uh, while he was with the MPs um, on a security detail uh, roundup of the place. So you have some documentation of the night of. Um, which is, you know, that's pretty rare. You have, it's rare that you have somebody of that high rank coming out and uh, standing with the reports. But he was certainly part of it. And also, um, you know, a multiple night uh, event. And also, um, I was going to say, I, when I first heard about that, I, I checked them out on Facebook. There is a Facebook page, uh, which I think is titled Justice for Bentwaters which um James Penniston, I believe is uh, was a sergeant or one of the security yeah, that's right yeah. uh you know one of the security enlisted men uh who was uh uh there that night witnessed very strange things now we see because there's again you you you, you know chaps probably uh, realize there are uh, or you know levels of this, and that okay, strange lights, things coming down the woods, uh you know red orbs. Uh, Things showing up on radar uh, that are, uh, you know, impossible or rationally unreasonable to describe. That's one level. And then when you say, no, no, there's a craft with writing on it and small beings got out that were levitating like, okay, that's (laughs) that is another something else. A a leap to belief that many uh, who are willing to believe in uh, possibly extraterrestrial orbs just won't go there. It's it's interesting, I think, psychologically in that. Yeah. What's,
0: sim- what's similar to Roswell as well is that sometime later, the British press will obviously leak this story. And similar to what Roswell, which ran the story about UFO crashes, what we got was a now defunct News of the World, uh-huh. which actually ran a front page splash, UFO lands in Suffolk and below it, and that's official.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. it's, and that is the, you know, News of the World was always quite a lowbrow. It was, it was tittle tattle. Sure, sure. Um, had a certain, had a certain nickname that I, I'll, I'll tell you off air, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, right. but uh, people know what it was, but when it, yeah. with the tabloids, if it adds and that's official, it it, it does that for a reason yeah. because it knows it's got the information to back that up. Yeah, right. Right. And, and, and they kn-
2: they know their own reputation and that uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to make an extra <laughs> uh, uh point to it to get people to take them seriously. Yeah, Precisely. that's absolutely true. Yeah. It's
1: like uh, if the inquirer was trying to uh convince you that something was actually real, they would uh, have to yeah. go the extra mile, I guess.
2: No, no, but but that's the conundrum I think with like the inquirer is that you know, we covered uh, uh they were featured prominently uh in our uh, BetSphere series, in that at the time in the 70s, yes, uh, you know, their reputation is the same as the weekly world news. Excuse me, maybe a little uh, more, uh, uh, maybe slightly above that even, but, uh, you know, they were the ones who were really into finding something out and of course it sells papers but they were into the UFO phenomenon any kind of, anything like that in, in the paranormal in general and they were the ones uh, putting together these blue ribbon panels uh, of you know the scientists at the time to answer these questions and, and give an award for the best UFO or, or paranormal event of the year hmm. and offering actual money to anybody who could uh, provide uh, proof of, of one. Now, of course, they're, they're all doing it for the showbiz aspect of it and, and yeah. to sell papers. But uh, then, on the other hand, you look at it, it's like, well, they're the only ones doing it. Everyone else ignores this or does, won't even approach it. So, uh, so does it have inherent worth just in the fact that uh, they're getting together you know, some of the more, uh, the foremost best minds of the time that are willing to come out and, and talk about these things and, and express that they already have an interest uh, because their careers and their academic standing uh, can't be ruined uh, by by exposure, so they're in a special place themselves to be able to uh, to weigh in on these things. And so, yeah, the the National Enquirer did have uh, uh, a lot to do with furthering it, but also, yes, it's not the New York Times. Now, if you look at uh, uh, the the past history with the New York Times and the you know, the uh, Luis Elizondo uh, mm-hmm. article that came out in uh, 20, 2018 into 2019, I think.
1: It's the uh, uh, Leslie Kane article, I
2: think. Yeah, when, when that was uh, being developed, it's uh, that was in itself very surprising for the New York Times, because if you look at, you know, from the, si- the 60s, 70s, uh, from the 50s on, and uh, uh, their attitude, of course, was, Uh, And and, uh, Micah Hanks had covered, uh, did a very good job of covering the New York Times actual perspective and and the history of their articles. And so what you see is uh, if they covered it at all, uh, it all led up to one of the more final articles that the New York Times had published. And I believe this is probably uh, uh, early 80s, maybe uh, late 70s, early 80s. And the stance was, well, this is all very interesting but really, only from a psychological standpoint, and we should we should take a look at the types of people who believe in these things because they're very interesting, not to be believed, but you know, that that phenomenon socially and culturally is very interesting. But that's the end of it because they're crazy. Yeah. That was their stance and attitude. That suddenly has changed, hasn't it?
1: It has. And, and historically, you look back at the uh, the attitude towards people who claim to have seen something. I mean, the, the family at uh, Kelly Hopkinsville when they uh, when they went down right. to the sheriff's department to. I mean, the sheriffs were like, "Okay, we'll come back, yeah. we'll check it out." And of course, nothing's there. The sheriffs go, then it starts again. And uh, of course, they were uh, going into town and being laughed at. And it's it's the same. So you do wonder how many. But then we
0: still we still had the the really famous case, the Enfield poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. Where police officers were there and saw furniture moving.
1: Well, there was one only uh, three or four years ago up in Scotland. I think it might have been in Glasgow, uh, where police were called and there was a dog levitating in the front garden. (laughs) and oh, you know and, uh, and the officers went on record with that it was uh well reported in the uh the daily record the scottish newspaper and yeah. um you know it's just like oh okay well that happened um <laughs> here's something else and uh,
2: <laughs> you know what, what do you do with that i mean that's what i'm saying is that yeah uh, it gets to a point where uh okay you wanted police uh to go on record they they did that's what it is and um it doesn't prove anything to people, but they're they're mum about it. Just, you've come to a stopping, silent point where it's just like, I I don't yeah I can't I can't change my whole belief system on this uh, based on this. Uh, I don't know what to make of it, so you just kind of let it sit there. But and you have people come out like like with Rendlesham. It's like, well, there's um, there's reports, and I was going to say like with before a poltergeist case where you have credible witnesses but then it has to be left there because uh i think you're only going to get so much yeah. it's not like that that case there and people's admissions and going on record then turns to official investigations and now we're going to get to the bottom of this phenomenon yeah it, it can I only, it, it, like i said there's a stopping point
1: there the, the story can only travel so far so that there's a there's a, a guy called alan godfrey who was a police constable um in i'm gonna say yorkshire steve
0: yeah tomadon he um he was actually quite an interesting sorry Paul, he was a, quite an interesting one because he found the beforehand he found the body of the missing my was he a miner or um
1: no i think he was found on a pile of coal he was um, found on a but yeah he was a i believe oh. he was a, a polish immigrant i think he was polish yes yeah.
2: you're right And um... that's uh, that story is uh, actually we just talked about. There's there's a lot of uh, synchronicity going on here. Uh, (laughs) uh, There's a podcast called And the Trail Went Cold, who usually just handles cold case criminal cases of which that is one. But he happened to cover that one. And that uh, Scott and I actually just happened to hear that because he and his wife were listening to that uh, particular podcast. And then uh, the gentleman who does that podcast, Robin Warder, had covered top 10 Christmas stories. That's how I found out about the Warminster thing.
1: Ah, so it's, it's everything's connected. <laughs> yeah. Everything is connected. Yeah, uh, I, this, I was but... uh, chatting to uh, Alan Godfrey um, last. Oh dear, no, I'd say last month because he's he's just been in hospital for some surgery and he's back out now and recovering, um, but he's agreed to do an interview with us um, January february time um he's gonna tell us so you've got that incident where he um was part of the the team that found this body on top of the uh, coal pile um and wasn't the name of the victim adamski i'm sure it was yes yes Yes. it was um so but alan godfrey then had an incident where he was driving his patrol car through town And there was this giant uh, diamond UFO just in the middle of the street, as you do. And, um, you know, I mean, so the anniversary of that, I think it was the 40th anniversary, might be longer than that now, Uh um, has just occurred last month. So he's going to talk to us about that next month. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get uh, some good insight on that. that. I mean, this is a this is a problem for police officers, Forrest, because, they, you know, they really do gamble, I think, with their careers. If they get involved yeah. in this sort of thing as an interest or they admit that something like this has happened to them. Um, firstly, they've got to deal with their colleagues, and then they've got to deal with the senior officers. We, uh, we right. um, have an ex-transport police detective here in the UK by the name of Gary Heseltine, who, funnily enough, is behind the film Cable Green. And um, mm. he, uh, he got involved in uh, sort of uh, trying to get trying to be the single point of contact for ufo cases in the uk and he wrote to uh, all of the police forces in the uk and um his bosses took uh great exception to that so uh you know eventually he was um he he was resigned
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah yeah well i mean it, it's it, it again it depends on what it is and how many have seen it uh how the the attitude changes because i uh uh, same thing happened, of course, with, with most, I think, officers that come... Lonnie Zamora. Oh, yeah. Yes. In uh, the famous yeah. uh, uh, New Mexico case. And, uh, you know, straight shooting, no-nonsense guy. And his but his suddenly, life was uh, made
1: a misery as a result of that.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, Because his... you think about it, um, uh, I believe his wife worked as a bank teller, so now you have people har- harassing her. <laughs> I'm going to make a deposit and saying, like, oh, your husband's seen any little green men lately? And it just yeah it was it's not great you know people always say uh, well i guess look obviously uh there are some people who do come forward with uh, uh you know a variety of different types of stories and here that they saw something then they embellished on that to try and get people to believe them they're making up at making something up out of whole cloth uh for whatever reason um and then there are people i believe that have genuine sightings but but here's the thing so i guess what i'm saying is that uh, the people that come forward and get the ridicule, well, they may just want the publicity and the attention, and they don't care if it's good or bad. They yeah. just, they, they, they need something like that. And then there's the people that I believe are genuine who never wanted attention or publicity or, or to ruin their reputations. And they came forward, uh, because either they felt they just had to, they had to tell somebody and be truthful. Um, or it just kind of came out and then they suffered the consequences. And it's, uh, a, a, it's never a good thing.
1: There's a couple of names that spring to mind when you say that. I mean, uh, Calvin Parker, perhaps, um, you know, he, he kept quiet, I think, for a long, long time before speaking. And then another guy who uh, I, I think you have him down as a straight shooter is, um, um, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of Bob Gimlin, who uh, you, had, oh, yes, of course. you had the benefit of uh, interviewing him at length, didn't you?
2: yeah yeah no you're right it's uh, it's a somebody when you talk to them uh same thing he uh uh, never you know i mean he he did go along with it and he was he was interested but that was more of roger patterson's deal yeah uh in in trying to find that and you know and again you looked at uh character assassination of, of roger patterson after the fact and uh, but here's my point that I made in our in our long Bigfoot series. You could be obsessed with a, with a subject. Uh, even tell people you're going to fake something, uh, a documentary, or well, I mean he he was all he did was claim to make a documentary, and I think he start, started to do that uh, and uh, do some dramatization, some docu drama, as it were, uh, to illustrate. And dramatize the old legends, old Native American legends of Western Washington and, and uh, Sasquatch and Bigfoot. And uh, it doesn't negate, though, what you capture on film. You, you know what I'm saying? like That you was always my big, my big revelation is that you could be in the middle of faking something. You could have uh, a, a Christmas balls with lights on it on a fishing line shooting a film trying to fake something. And a real... UFO event could be happening simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, they're not mutually exclusive. So uh, uh, you, uh, you know, but but of course it muddies the water. But in the case of the Patterson-Gimlin film, that's everybody who's a proponent of the film says, forget all the rest of Roger's character, uh, what you may think of Bob Gimlin, look at what's on the film. Yeah. Hmm. And to this day, that's the one great thing that I love about the film. It's It's never been... Nobody ever says the film is fake. Nobody. Nobody has ever said that. It's like, well, this is optical, uh, you know, special effects printing on 16 millimeter yeah. film. We can prove that. They go after the character of Roger Patterson. They, the people who don't want to believe it go after everything else. Like, well, a human can't keep that. Uh, yes, a human could walk like that. Uh, or, you know, that's a guy in a suit. You go after everything else except looking at what's on the film. Yeah. And uh and you know, to this day that, that film has never been disproven. Which I, I mean I'm look, I'm looking
0: a at a looking at a frame and, and the and the, the the creature, the the subject looks big.
1: Yeah, and, I know and what that's you
0: mean. that's that's the only thing that really sort of suggests above to me that there's something in this because it it's it's it doesn't look human. To me when and I when, <laughs> when you there's there's <laughs> yeah, a very it doesn't look human
1: there's a very famous uh, set of video which has been uh, stabilized and uh, so they've got it cool. so that uh, patty or the, the bigfoot is mm-hmm. actually in the same place in each frame and then you follow right. you follow the natural uh, gait and movement of it and you can see the muscle tone you can see the muscles are actually moving when the they're f- rippling yeah. under mm-hmm. the fur. when the foot yeah. hits the ground you you can see patty's lady parts um you, you know it's
2: <laughs> you it, it's are jiggling yeah
1: it's all stuff that um you know you didn't get back then in hollywood it was well beyond um you you compare it to a blockbuster movie like planet of the apes you know and they only spent the money on a couple of the main characters for their costumes the rest of it was pretty naff and um but 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 a couple of guys who just happened to be out in um is it humboldt for it? Um, not 100% sure. uh, it,
2: nor- yes, I'm trying to think of uh, the the nearest town, but is the that, that is the county? So yeah, um, and that location a few years ago was actually found, uh, you know, overgrown. But of course, uh, people who were enthusiasts uh, from the description of the uh, the large of the creek and the large overturned uh, tree root that was there. Uh, pieced it together and they found the actual location again of course uh, you know geography changes
1: of course yeah uh,
2: over the years and uh you you wouldn't recognize it but uh yeah they found it uh, as it uh at least at the exact spot so yeah. um, if I, which is uh, all interesting because if you believe it it's like well that's uh, that's an actual spot where there was a sasquatch and it's <laughs> and uh, just I just
1: thought that. I need to put that on my next uh road trip and actually go and find that it's um
2: the, the actual you can it's a bit of a hike in i hear yeah, yeah
1: so um so i can do that because bears don't scare me um and n- n- nor do <laughs> snakes or lion right. mountain lions or anything else um but I, I've, <laughs> I've had my own run in with a, a big cat this year so uh, oh that's right they, they don't yes. they don't scare me <laughs> <laughs>
2: Where did that end up, uh, Paul? Uh, Well, uh... that's
1: that's a thing. So um, uh, this was August the 16th, and I I had this conversation with Steve and uh, Paul Sinclair earlier. um, Because as it actually happened, I phoned Paul Sinclair. And had him on the phone, and he's like, "Well, get off the phone to me and take more pictures <laughs> and and video it more, you know." And, and yeah. he was right, but I, I you know, I, I kind of felt the need to uh, share. So um, yeah, I, I, I was uh, not a million miles away from where I live, and um, just minding my own business, doing a bit of work on the car, and uh, this big black cat walks through a field uh, right next to me. You know, it was very close. Um, I paced it out. I think it was uh, about fifty paces, and it was uh, mm. sort of crossing from my right to left. And uh, so out came the uh, the iPhone Seven Plus. Which uh, shame mm-hmm. I've, I've upgraded my phone since then. I think I would have got better <laughs> pictures, but uh, but I did manage to get pictures, and I did manage to get some video. And uh, you guys um, very kindly did some work on the video for me. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, got the uh, the colour balance all worked out and stuff and it, and it looks good um, but to this day um, there there would be people who laugh at me and say oh you didn't see anything but uh, I know what I saw <laughs> that, that, <laughs> see, that old when, trope yeah
0: when I saw mine I mean I didn't really have a lot of time because I was driving yeah. and, and in the United Kingdom we have a lot of roads where they either go above a railway um tunnel or we have railway bridges going above roads yeah and i was driving down this single track lane with a railway bridge above me and i look up i don't know why i looked up but i saw a cat walking um left to right across this railway track uh or the railway bridge and i didn't really think anything of it and then as my brain is still t- concentrating on driving, it was a single track road. It's, it's one of those that we have around here. And then I realized that cat had to have been huge for me to have seen
1: mm-hmm. on
0: that railway bridge Yeah. because it it is impossible for me to have seen it. Yeah. And um, it was very, very, it was, it was a, a black, a, what we would call an, an ABC, an alien,
1: Big cat, um, yeah, big cat, and it, yeah. it's it's yeah. the funny thing, isn't it? Because uh, I mean, they are uh, native to where Forrest lives, and oh. uh, I mean, do you have them up in the northwest there, Forrest? The
2: uh, the big oh, cats. there's there, well, there's tons of uh, yes, cougars. So I right. mean, I, and I don't know the hmm. the, the species, of the, the familial line. I think they're all uh, related to the panther line. Yeah uh i believe at some point but yes of course even uh, uh washington state university here uh, is uh, their mascot is the cougar so okay uh known as the cougs yes but uh yeah so we have tons of cougar uh, same thing uh you know down in southern california uh well they'll call them uh, mountain lions and and cougar and uh even in the the park you know griffith park in la there's there's a few wandering around. It. Wow! And in the uh, in the brush, so they do they do survive and they do uh, find a way uh, uh, to get by. And so that is um, uh, in different parts of the United States. Then you have uh, uh, different scary critters, but uh, yeah, plenty of uh, the larger cats, um, uh, bobcat as well, uh, lynx. I believe as you get closer to the Canadian border. Yeah. Uh, But those are much smaller. Okay, now that's going to be like the size of a uh, uh, you know a a small to medium dog.
1: The cougar
2: is you know that's going to be now you're talking something that's closer to uh, you know the size of a uh, uh, you know a Rottweiler. Yeah,
1: uh, it's a uh, German uh, Shepherd. It's a fearsome beast. I mean the 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 smart money. Um, that looked at my videos and photos reckon that it's a, a melanistic leopard. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the size was about right. It was about the height of a Labrador dog and uh, right. a, a lot longer. Um, yeah. But the the absolute... Over here, we would say the absolute front on it was uh, it, just, um, it just didn't care that it was being looked at. It just did not care at all. It had this... Um, this way of walking, uh, poised like a ballerina, and um, yeah. just everything about it oozed confidence. And uh, it didn't care that I was there, and, and I had eyes on with this thing for about fifteen minutes,
2: and then it yeah. then it. Got- you're, con- you're convinced it saw you
1: oh you know you it It sat, it sat yeah. down and looked at me it was just right. not bothered at all and uh I, which point funnily enough when it sat down is the point that i actually made the phone call and i, I said to paul sinclair i said uh, okay so you're not going to believe this and and of course his first question was well who is this and uh, yeah. and i said uh, yeah. you how know did you get this number yeah how dare you and um, so i explained what i was seeing and uh yeah it, it was absolutely crazy the the problem came because i i stood there you know absolutely transfixed watching this thing and um it got dark very quickly and the minute that i couldn't see it that's when i got a case of the wobbles and had to go and sit in the car Ooh. so uh, you know because it was aware of me and all of a sudden you know i'm what is it the 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 gamekeeper turned prey or whatever, but, um, (laughs)
2: two, two things here, Paul, I want to run by you because I think, um, they're interesting points as far as having an experience like that and classifying it and analyzing it. And that, uh, uh, there again there's a turning point within the experience so uh, well one the first thing i want to say is i feel left out now because both of you gents have seen <laughs> a big cat i have not seen one true so, however but
1: vicariously yes. um i did call you just afterwards so yeah
2: no i did feel part of the excitement that was that mm. was actually very exciting i was feeling uh uh Glad here, just very electrified with the, with the sighting. That's that's a that was an exciting part of it. And uh, uh, but again, you know, knowing Paul, he could have just been making the whole thing up to to have a laugh,
1: just and, to have a good laugh. And, uh, uh, do you know just the just uh, to involve me? Do you me know like. the most disappointing thing about that is that no. I, I phoned you thinking that I was using uh, FaceTime audio, but it was actually right. <laughs> I actually used my cell plan. It cost me seventy five pounds to call you. Oh my! Are you serious? <laughs> absolutely. I was going <laughs> to well, send. I was going to send you the bill, but uh, I thought better. Oh dear! Me. So well, uh, it, uh, it was uh, worth you, every you'll penny. Be
2: nice, uh, you'll be getting a nice. you a nice mug and uh, as recompense uh, from the show. <laughs> no, because it was. Um,
1: it was absolutely what I wanted to do. I I, I was so giddy with excitement. Um yeah. you know, I phoned Paul Sinclair, I phoned you. Then, um, funnily enough, it was a Sunday. And yeah. uh, I sent uh, an email to Howard Hughes, who was due on at 10 o'clock that night, and uh, sent an email to a guy called Rick Minter at the same time, who runs, right, uh, runs right. a podcast called uh, Big Cat Conversations. And, uh, you know, he he was uh, very, very pleased and excited to discuss it. So, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, well, well, here's...
2: Here's a okay. Well, here's the twist. Um, in that uh, you have had, you both have had sightings. I had an auditory encounter with a big cat. Okay. And that uh, I've told this story years ago. And, Of course, you know we start thinking, what are the strange stories? uh the paranormal stories, uh, the paranormal events that have happened to me, and what can I uh, talk about? Not much has happened. A lot of very small things that you look back in retrospect and realize, like, well, yeah, I guess that's not rationally explainable, really. and, and uh, But you don't really, again, you don't know where to file these things. So it's just an event that happened to you. Uh, but this would have been in the um, uh, late 80s, early 90s. I can't remember when, but I, I talk about this quite often because I hadn't thought about it for for years, for decades after. Um, although I do remember it clearly, and that is being out in Joshua Tree, uh out in the desert and i was with a friend and we were just gone for a day a day trip to uh, kind of walk around and just chill out and we were hanging out um, it was getting late in the day but it was still uh like four or five p.m in the summer so it was nice warm out uh plenty of light uh, and we're basically thinking about uh, driving back to la and we're just uh we're in a parking lot where just kind of the you know the pavement ends and it just goes out into open desert and we're just kind of looking out the, at the, admiring the vista, and we hear this really low, loud roar, like a, a growl. Uh, and it looks like, it, it feels like the sensation was that, you know, and we're, we're, we're both standing there, is that it's uh, maybe, like you said, uh, 30, 40, 50 paces out in the desert where it's just. Uh, a sound of, and, and again, it, I don't know if it was a cat or not because we didn't see anything. There's no rocks. There was nothing for it to hide behind. Uh, you know, there's no rock over a foot tall. It was a very open uh, part of the desert there. And we we both heard that. I turned to each. We you know we turned to each other and said, you hear that. And he's like, yeah. And then here's the point though. Much like uh, Paul, what you just uh, said that uh, reminded me is that um, at the moment, you know, after your excitement. Uh, fades, and you realize that now it's dark, and that thing can see me, and I cannot see it. That's where you the the collie wobbles set in, and you start to think about, well, maybe I should get in the car, <laughs> maybe I should leave. It's it's like because now I've lost the upper hand, and like I don't feel uh, I you know you don't know that that thing's stalking. You obviously got a good sight, uh, you know, had you in its sights, um, and it's you know it's a wild animal so not that there's been many reports but that's what i was saying that experience for us was like okay that was really interesting what just happened maybe if we stuck around another you know half an hour we could hear it again however not knowing where it was coming from that was the turning point and that um we don't know where to run to do i pick up a rock i don't know (laughs) where what is this thing and where is it coming from we saw we both know generally the direction and that it was ahead of us. That's where it set. the sound seemed like it was coming, but from nothing. It was a disembodied, uh, big cat, you know, and I mean like...
1: So, uh, a ventriloquist yeah. cougar.
2: <laughs> Something like that. Well, you get, then you get people who are trying to rationally explain it away, saying like, well, you know, perhaps uh, the sound bounced off the ionosphere from a, a, a nearby big cat sanctuary. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that's maybe, what, 20 miles away? I don't, you know... The, the,
0: this is like the walking lighthouses of um, Rendlesham. Again. Well, I, I was that's just
2: the, yes, the, 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 the lighthouse. I remember that explanation. The lighthouse that pointed back at the land and was now also red.
0: Yeah,
1: do you
2: think? that actually wall. walked
0: all the way around, and,
1: and that was <laughs> and that's what happened. Do you think Carol Baskin oh, was yeah. responsible for that as well?
2: <laughs> so, uh, you know, most likely.
1: But it, what's interesting to me there, uh, Forest. I mean, firstly, obviously you, you couldn't see it, um, but yeah. uh, but the the rest of your reaction to it compared to how it is here. So obviously th- that type of animal is not native to the UK. Uh, we hmm. we did have the lynx. Um, that's being right. that's being right. reintroduced in certain places now. Um, but the you know the co- the cougar, the mountain lion, the um, the leopard were never here, so no. you know. So when it when it comes to notice here, we are not only in awe, but there's a kind of magical yet. Oh my God! I have yeah. just seen a uh, you know a UFO type feel to it. It's yeah. just like, well, I shouldn't be seeing this, but in in America, I'm, there, I'm guessing uh, there is a
0: there is a simple um, explanation over here, which was the change in the law yeah. with the the da- dangerous. Um, animals act which you know in the the 70s people were were bringing in these amazing animals from over the world right but they didn't know what to do with them and then the law changed and instead of maybe giving them to a zoo
1: or they just let them go and that's exactly (laughs) what i did with my giraffe
2: yeah, <laughs> which is, weirdly though has never been seen again. You think, no, well, be
1: before I is. let it go, I uh, I gave it a torch and sprayed it silver. It's been uh, sort of wandering around <laughs> as a uh, like a lighthouse. <laughs> right. post. Just, just, the, just the upper half. You need to, yeah, because the, yeah. you
2: know it's like camouflage against the paint.
1: Sky. It red and white and teach it to turn around with a torch in its mouth. Precisely, right. right.
2: See, and that worked. But but yeah, no. But, but Paul, I mean, here's here's the thing about that is that uh, uh there are several different uh, elements of the experience going on going on here with you, and that, um, like I said, that that's a cat. It's not a hybrid. It's not a cryptid. It didn't have the body of a kangaroo and the head of a <laughs> and the head of a panther uh, and wings on its back. It's not a chimera. Um, it's a pretty rationally explainable yeah. animal in a very strange place, admittedly, but there could be a possible explanation now we have uh here in la we have wild parrots that have gotten away from people uh uh and and now they've thrived so well there are massive flocks of green parrots that live in the uh uh you know the in the suburb of venice in the town of venice uh near near the the famous venice beach and so they're around the canals and they they do really well, but they are essentially turned back into the wild, and they're just living in a in an urban environment where they are Amazon Amazonian green parrots, which are not native here, but but still thriving. Then it's warm enough. Um, they have adapted, uh, and uh, they're their own colony now. As far as the big cats in England, it's like, well, okay, I can, I can see that happening and that uh, maybe there was a mating pair enough of them got released from different private individuals and I'm sure that happened yeah absolutely um, but but I think uh, you know it's the weird places like them ending up in the tube right and people seeing them in closed off sections uh, that are under repair in the in the London underground and and uh how do they get down there and just like what are they living on and what's what's going how are they moving about how is this really real it's like uh, having an alligator
1: or a crocodile in the um in the sewer and i guess it shouldn't be there (laughs) but somebody flushed it down the loo and um... they
2: they shouldn't be there but but here's but then i'm saying here's the other hand it's like okay we have cougars in uh in southern california um but the desert not so much that's not really their their habitat because there's not there's nothing to eat so they they live in the lush uh uh, wooded areas of uh of the outskirts of the city like i said griffith park and uh the, the the mountains uh you know the santa monica mountains and uh they've they've seemed to do very well but we also track them and uh biologists are keeping tabs on them with radio collars and making sure they they uh uh, they're cared for and thrive as best they can uh, naturally. Um, but out in the desert, it's like, okay, not only was is there not supposed to be any big cats there, but you're supposed to see them if there are. So yeah. not seeing them was was incredibly unnerving and yes. cool at the same time. But we had that moment of like, and we didn't say anything. We just said, uh, we should go. <laughs> like we just, because we both had the realization It's like, i don't know is it under the car is it where could it be coming from and then not wanting to freak yourselves out it's just like okay so the best option here is to again just leave it walk away so you, um, but i remembered uh as, as far as like uh you know uh the authorities taking those sightings seriously when you when you notified the authorities uh paul what they they basically took the report seriously right um
1: they did yeah i, I uh i phoned uh 999 which it's sort of the equivalent of nine one one, and mm-hmm. uh, the the operator was intrigued and uh, very supportive and kind of like, yeah. okay, yeah, we we've heard weird, but um, this is okay. And uh, she put yeah. me, she put me through to her supervisor, and the supervisor was cool as well and just said, okay, yeah, this is the sort of thing that happens from time to time and yeah. uh, I was then contacted by the uh, police wildlife officer uh, the next day mm. who asked for copies of my pictures. And um, he was going to fly a drone over the area to see whether they could uh, find anything out. Now, sure. I- sure, I've not sure. heard anything since, but um, I kind of I feel very protective towards it, and I, I kind of don't want people to find it because there's always going right, to be some idiot right. who tries to trap it or shoot it or whatever. You know, and I, right. I, I just want it to live its life and... Uh you know, and enjoy itself. It's it's not yeah. its fault that it's out where it is. And, uh, and on, right, the, on right. the whole, it keeps itself to itself, you know. And I, I think uh, Steve sighting on uh, a railway line is a perfect thoroughfare mm. for an animal like yeah. that because it's not going to get yeah. disturbed by humans. And there's going to be rabbits and all sorts of things to eat. So... It makes perfect sense. But, uh, you know, it's not unheard of for animals to be in a place that they shouldn't be. Um, In in the deserts of Australia, they've got camels which were imported. And uh, once Mm. they've done their work, they were just let go. And uh, in northern England, we've got um, herds of wallabies going around on the moors. So, uh, you know, the the police were getting contact from uh, drivers who would walk into the police station and say, you're not going to believe this. And then the the desk sergeant would say, don't tell me, you've just run over a kangaroo. And... uh, (laughs) And the, yeah. the smart driver would go. Well, actually, it was a wallaby, but uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely. It's a smaller
2: version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let, let, <laughs> let's not
1: uh, split hairs with marsupials, but um, <laughs> right. Yeah, so that... so that happens, and um, it's just the same as the parrots, I guess, in uh, in Venice. Yeah. So yeah, all um, good.
2: I was going to ask you, Steve. Did you report your sighting?
1: I reported. I
0: didn't report it to the police. At the time, mm. I didn't think so, but I did report it to one of the um, yeah. Alien Big cap websites. Um, there's, there was quite a few. Several years ago now. Um, but I, I didn't feel in any fear. Obviously, I was in the car. Where right. I was was between two villages. It was very, very rural. Yeah. So yeah. even though it, it wasn't a mainline station, it was one one city track to another city track, but it was right in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um but it was just, and I've looked at Google Map images of the bridge, and for me to have seen it, if it was a normal, and both Paul and myself are, we like our cat. We you know we're we're cat people. We're not dog people. Right. We're we cat right. people, and we know the size of a of a moggy, as we call them. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: these this was not a house cat. This was yeah. something else entirely. And yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: it was the, it was a black. You know, I know you can get. The, the blackness of a cat, the silky blackness of a cat. But this was beyond that because you saw muscles and you saw Right. There's a lot right. more to it than, than just just what a normal a normal domestic cat has to offer. I think that must be it for this episode.
1: I think you're right mate, so that's gonna wrap it up for this particular episode. Thanks for listening and thank you Forrest for being with us. We'll be back with a continuation of this year in review for twenty twenty. On the Anomaly Paranormal Podcast.
2: Anomaly is independent media. Thank you to Michette for our theme music. Join us online at anomaly.co.uk, Facebook, and at Anomaly Cast on Twitter.